Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. And you may have heard a thud. That was my water. Taking a leap of faith off the shelf trying to get my attention. Somehow it knew I wanted to take a sip. I want to talk to you today about being faithful in adversity. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were faithful in adversity. The prophets of Israel were faithful in adversity. Yeshua and the apostles were faithful in adversity. And as we read this week, Isaac and Jacob were faithful in adversity. This week's Torah portion helps us understand the value, the power, and the blessings that come to us as we're faithful in adversity. Jacob went out. That's how this week's Torah portion begins in Genesis 28, verse 10. You can turn there. Um, but actually, we're going to look at a few verses earlier than that to see the difficult circumstances that Jacob was facing. His father, Isaac, was about to die, and his brother Esau was about to kill Jacob. That's the circumstance. There's a lot of family trouble and sorrow, isn't it? Yeah. We come from disturbed families, folks. A lot of conflict and hostility in the family. But there's also a serious question that has to be settled, and that is who's going to carry forth the spiritual leadership in this family of Isaac? Rebecca knows the answer because of what the Lord revealed to her during the days of her difficult pregnancy. Rebecca had twins, and they were fighting in the womb. Sandy reminded me, today that these twins were fraternal twins. They weren't identical. They didn't look the same. They didn't have the same voices. They were not also the same in personality or temperament. And the Lord told Rebecca the older one would serve the younger one. So who came out first? Esau. Who came out next? Jacob, and there was even a little bit of uncertainty who was supposed to be first at that moment. Um, but Jacob didn't want to be far behind. He had his hand on the foot, the ankle of his brother. It's like, I know you're out first. I know you're the older one, but I'm right behind you. So Rebecca knew this, but it seems that it was only near the end of his life that Isaac accepted this too. And when Isaac told Esau this, Esau couldn't stand it. Let's go back to Genesis 27, verses 41 and 42. It says, so Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed Jacob. And there's another translation that caught my attention. Esau cherished animosity 
against Jacob. He cherished it. He allowed it to take that place of privilege. He even uh, found comfort in thinking about doing harm. Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are coming soon, and after my father's death, I'll kill my brother Jacob. And the Hebrew conveys this idea that he found, that Esau found consolation in this. I'm going to kill him myself, and that will make me happy. He cherished animosity. Verse 42, now when the words of her elder son Esau were told to Rebekah, she sent word and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself about you by planning to kill you. So Rebekah tells Jacob to go to her brother Laban in Haran and stay there. Um, out of sight, out of mind is the idea. That's what she hoped, and she says some things to, that indicate this when she's talking to Isaac, that this would give time for Esau's anger to cool down. And Isaac agrees. He tells Jacob himself to go to Laban and find a wife from among Laban's daughters. And then Isaac blesses Jacob in a very direct way, in a way that shows that Jacob will lead the family forward in the covenant that God made with Abraham. So I want you to listen to the words of Isaac as he blesses Jacob. They're in Genesis 28, verses 3 and 4, right before the beginning of this week's portion. This is how Isaac blesses Jacob. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you so that you may become a company of peoples. And may he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants so that you may possess the land where you dwell as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. So at this moment, Isaac understands what he's doing. He's blessing the younger son, Jacob, and he's giving him the blessing that normally would go to the firstborn. Isaac values the blessing. He values the legacy. He values the inheritance that he received from his father Abraham. He honored Abraham in this way, and he honored the Lord's covenant as well. And so he reaches back one generation, just like that song we were singing, Lador Vador. And then he reaches forward to the next generation and he establishes this connection between Abraham and Jacob. And then he reaches into the future and includes Jacob's descendants, those who have not even been born yet. So it's an amazing connection between generations that is being established and certified, if you will. And just thinking about that, what a joy it must have been for Isaac to know that the family covenant will continue. But then, remember the context. And remember our study last week, 
Many blessings are accompanied by spiritual battles. How many can confirm that in their own lives? God works to bless you. And there's opposition. But in fact, your heart for God and your willingness to keep seeking his face and your determination to follow him, all of these actually can grow strong in the face of these battles. I was talking this morning to Juan, who I had not seen for a while. It was such a joy to talk together. And he told me exactly this. He said, in the midst of the most difficult times that he's had, instead of that weakening him, it strengthened him. In fact, the battles that we go through build heart. The battles build willingness. The battles build determination. They build the heart, the willingness, the determination. And that's connected to the idea from ancient Hebrew that, that righteousness and being a righteous person, tzedakah, righteousness, and tzaddik, a righteous person, they're from the same root. They were associated with adversity and with challenge of a very specific kind, that the righteous one was the one who faced a challenge that required trusting God and remaining faithful to God in order to have victory in the challenge. The righteous one went through the spiritual challenge, experienced their victory because they trusted God and remained faithful. You may have had this experience too, where you have faced challenges and you realize it took your trust in God to get through that challenge. And it's not because you're a weak person, and it's not because you don't have competency and fortitude. It's because God uses the challenges of this world and this life to open up, to fortify, to develop us in our trust in God. And in fact, one of the worst conditions we can ever fall into is to have provided for ourselves so well that we no longer feel we need God's help. Trusting God and being trustworthy work together. Faith and faithfulness work together, and they secure a righteous victory. So being faithful in adversity, that's part of the life of faith, my friends. And remember when Yeshua said to his disciples that he would have to suffer? And they said, no. And he said, get behind me. Hasatan. I always wonder whether Peter took it personally um, because it was directed at him. <laughs> but it wasn't a rejection of Peter. It was a rebuke of the idea 
that life is just easy and always fine and pleasant and never troubles. In fact, God reveals his faithfulness to us when we're trusting him and showing our trust by being faithful in adversity. And it's not that we earn God's blessing, but it's that we receive God's blessing in this way and at these times. And Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 expresses the way it works in a particularly insightful way. I'll read it to you. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you when you obey the voice of the Lord your God. They come upon you. They overtake you. They chase you down. It's a fascinating idea. They're, they're in pursuit of you. They're looking for you. God is sending blessings in your direction. And a lot of the English translations say these blessings will, will come to you and, and overtake you if you obey. But there's, there's another aspect, because the Hebrew uses a different word. It uses the word ki, which is often translated because, or um, when. And so, I'll give an example. We, we love that psalm and the song that says, Hodu ladanai ki tov, ki leolam chasdo. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Because his love endures forever. Ki. Say that with me. Ki. Yeah. And there, if you translated it if, it wouldn't make any sense. Give thanks to the Lord if he's good. If his love endures forever. No, it's a proclamation of praise, of faith, of confidence. It's the faith that comes from seeing and hearing and knowing. It's not blind faith. It's trusting faith. So it, it might be better to translate this, that the blessings will come upon you and overtake you when you're obeying. Not if, because the assumption is that you're a person of faith. But when you're following the Lord, that's when the blessings of God can surprise you. Because you listen to, it says, because ki tishma bakol adonai elohecha. Tishma, can you hear shema embedded in that? The same root of shema is in this, tishma. When you listen to, when you attend, when, when you not only hear, but you heed, you hearken, you, you pay attention to, it's exactly what Yeshua was talking about when he said, the building on the rock means hearing his teachings, hearing his words and putting them into practice, hearing and doing, it's the same thing. Um, so if doesn't really capture the idea, it's, it's better when. God intends to bless. He's sending blessings, and they catch up with us when we're doing what he says. You could imagine it sort of this way. Two-lane highway. 
when you're doing what he says, you're going in his direction. The blessings of God catch up with you. And when you're going the wrong way, you'll collide with a bunch of stuff. But the blessings of God are going the other way. And you might just see them. It's like, look at those blessings. Well, there they go. Adios. And sometimes people don't have joy because the blessings of God haven't overtaken them and reached them. And they're wondering what's going on. And there's encouragement here. You discover more of the blessings of God, even in adversity, when you're following what the Lord says to do. As you do that. So think a bit again about the situation and all the family trouble that Isaac is facing and Jacob is facing. And Isaac blesses Jacob once, the first time without fully understanding what he's doing. And then the second time, Isaac blesses Jacob indirectly when he tells Esau that Jacob has been blessed and that Esau needs to serve Jacob. And you remember how miserable Esau got? He's like, I'll kill that guy. Seriously. And then this third time, Isaac blesses Jacob directly by speaking words of blessing over Jacob, fully understanding what he was doing. So you can see in this that Isaac was faithful in adversity. It was a complicated situation. But his clarity and his heart for God and his determination, his resolve, all were strengthened during the times of adversity. Unstoppable tenacity was in him. And so Jacob heads out, and he's being faithful. And he's honoring his father's word, and he's acting within the parameters he had been given, and you know what he needs as he's going out in the midst of all this sorus, all this worry. He needs a good night's sleep. How many can relate to that? Just like a good night's sleep where you don't wake up worried or you don't wake up distracted or you just can't get to sleep. And then you don't want to wake up when you finally do in the morning. Jacob needs a good night's sleep. But he gets something that is more than he could ask or imagine. And that's in this week's Torah portion, Genesis 28, starting in verse 10. Jacob went out from Beersheba. He traveled toward Haran, and he came to a certain place. He stayed the night there because the sun had set. He took a stone from the place, put it under his head, and lay down there. That's the traditional translation. Adler translates it a little differently, interestingly and says that he laid this stone next to him and used it like a protective boundary or border for him. He took a stone from the place, put it under his head or next to his head, and lay down there to sleep, and Jacob dreamt that there before him was a ladder resting on the ground with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of Adonai were going up and down on it. And then suddenly, Adonai was standing there next to him. 
Let's say that together. Standing there next to him. Some translators say the Lord was standing above the ladder as if the Lord is up in heaven because that's the ladder reaches to heaven, remember? But even Samuel Hertz says the better translation is next to him. But that's problematic if you don't think God can be in this world. Um, but the Hebrew is okay. Then suddenly Adonai was standing there next to him. And he said, I am Adonai, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And here he, the Lord knows that Abraham is his grandfather, but he uses that endearing term. The land on which you're lying, I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the grains of dust on the earth. You will expand to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. By you and your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So now the Lord is affirming the blessing. Isaac has finally gotten to the point where he can wholeheartedly convey the blessing, and he did. And now the Lord comes and says, that's the blessing for you, Jacob. I'm including you, the Lord is saying, in the promise I made to your father. I'm including you in the promise I made to your grandfather. And now I promise you and everything that your father Isaac spoke in his blessing, I'm confirming directly to you. Isn't that an awesome experience to have? That's what Jacob needed to hear. And the Lord says, all the families, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. But think about the situation. Jacob's not even married yet. He doesn't have any children. But the Lord speaks, and it comes to pass. The Lord calls things that are not as though they were. And that's what he did with Abraham, and that's what he did with Isaac, and that's what he's doing with Jacob. And Jacob is encountering the God of his fathers who calls things that are not as though they were. And Jacob believes God when, he's, when God says in verse 15, Behold, I'm with you, and I will watch over you and protect you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back into this land because I won't leave you until I've done what I have promised you. And I love those three personal promises to Jacob. God's personal presence and his protection everywhere, and that's good news. I'm with you, and I'll protect you. That's good news until you think about it. Why do you need protection? Because it means Jacob is going to face adversity. He's going to face situations that are hostile and antagonistic, and he's going to need protection. Everybody wants protection. Nobody wants to need protection. We don't want to be in a situation where we need to be protected. But the Lord knows the real world. And he says, I am with you, 
and I will go with you everywhere. And I will protect you. And God promises to bring Jacob back to this land. You see, this is an interesting detail. It's in Jacob's heart to come back to the land. He's not just escaping the heartache of a troubled family. But he's still honoring his father Isaac. He's still honoring his grandfather Abraham. He's not breaking covenant with them or with God. And neither is God breaking covenant. God is honoring what's necessary to go get the wife, and more than one it turns out, and come back, to come back and be established together. Because it's not a break of the covenant. They are still together. Isaac is with his father Abraham in his heart. Isaac is with the Lord. Jacob is with Isaac in his heart. Jacob is with his grandfather Abraham, and Jacob is with the Lord. And the Lord is with Jacob and all of them. In the midst of all of this adversity, God is being faithful. And then verse 16, Jacob woke from his sleep and he said, Truly, Adonai is in this place and I didn't know. That reminds me of what Brian Rose spoke about uh, in the middle of worship, that there can be moments when you might not feel the presence of the Lord or be aware of the presence of the Lord, and that puts you in good company. Jacob didn't know. He didn't know at that moment the Lord was there. And now it turns out the Lord is there. All this took place during a dream, but it was congruent and consistent with the other appearances of the Lord that were not in dreams. And it's clear that this is not the subconscious process of Jacob's mind that's trying to work out his thoughts and feelings. This is an encounter with the Lord. Now, sleeping and dreaming and working through all those things while we're asleep, that's necessary and good, but that's not what's happening. The Lord appears. It's not that Jacob dreamed that the Lord appeared. It's that the Lord appeared when Jacob was asleep. Sometimes God can't speak to you what you need to hear when you're fully awake and arguing. Or resisting, and it's only when your guard is down that you can experience some things. So interesting, it's a dream, but it includes physical details. The Lord was standing next to Jacob at a specific place, next to the ladder, very concrete in the physical details. This particular place, the land where you're lying, as well when Jacob awakens, he exclaims, the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. The Lord is here, right here. Now, Martin Buber and Gershom Sholem, I believe, have written something about the precious name of God, yod heh vod and this question of its meaning, its derivation, its pronunciation, it's quite a debated thing. But they've said that 
it may have been originally pronounced more like Yahoo or Yow, that the name of God was like an exclamation. And that's sort of born in, in names, in, in modern Israeli names like Benjamin Netanyahu, which Americans often say Netanyahu, right? Netanyahu. And if you understand that that last part of the name is sort of like Yao. If, if you think about it, it's interesting. I don't know whether it's accurate or not, but I like it. And I like the idea that when God shows up sometimes when you don't expect him, it's like a Yao, he's here. And I think that's sort of the tone that, um, that Jacob is expressing. I don't think it's that uh, holy, sacred place, library, whisper tone, like, oh, the Lord is here. No, it's more like, whoa, God is here. I didn't even know it. That's how I think. At least I like that idea better. So the blessings that God promises to Jacob are interesting because they're both spiritual and material at the same time. And the latter between heaven and earth, with God standing next to Jacob on the earth, this expresses something that God is the God of heaven and the God of earth. And that he can be fully invisible and outside of creation, and he can also make himself locally present. And it conveys the idea there's just one world that has spiritual and material dimension and aspect. And it conveys the idea that this world is united. And that both aspects, the spiritual and the material, are important to God and important to us. And also that God can be present locally in our world and still be present everywhere, including outside the physical universe. So the God of heaven and the God of earth are like expressed in this way. And Jacob's response indicates that he sees the connection. He doesn't wake up and say, man, I had a dream. He's not processing it like a dream dream. He's processing it, and the Torah tells it like it is an experience that happened when he was asleep. And so he wakes up and makes that remark, God is here. I didn't even know it. Wow. And then he makes a vow in verse 20, and he says, this is how the... Many translations get it, if God will be with me, if. If God will be with me and will keep me on the journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. The stone which I've set up now as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So I think that if may not be the best choice in English to translate what Jacob is saying. Because the Hebrew word im 
is often translated if, for sure. But I don't think it's the best translation in this case because if sounds like a condition that will yet be fulfilled later. And only when it's fulfilled later will Jacob do these things. And so I think it's better to say since or in light of the fact or most assuredly because if sounds like an expression of doubt or uncertainty. And I don't think that's what's happening here. I think Jacob is speaking from his faith and from his trust in God, not from doubt. And also it sounds like Jacob is making some kind of future bargain with God. Lord, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. But in reality, it's an expression of faith and commitment. Faithful in adversity, that's who God is. Faithful in adversity, that's who Jacob was. Faithful in adversity, that's who Yeshua was. Faithful in adversity, that's who we can be. And Jacob is filled with awe, with reverence for God. And he's deeply touched, I think, by the promises that God has made to him personally. And the promises that God has included Jacob in and he responds with a vow, and he says, since, God, you will be with me, then you, you really are my God. You're not just the God of my forefathers. You're my God. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. The Hebrew is simple. I will give a tenth by giving a tenth. God and Jacob together are expressing trust and loyalty to each other in the midst of adversity. And so we learn something, that God is faithful in adversity. And we can be strong with him and be faithful in adversity together. It's awesome. Faithful in adversity unstoppable tenacity. That's the legacy that has been given to us. And that's the legacy that we want to honor and we also want to pass on. That's what we're made of, Mishpacha. Our God is faithful in adversity. We have been made in his image. We have been brought into his covenant we too can be faithful in adversity. Let's pray for that for ourselves. Lord, we pray for our strength, for our faithfulness during times of adversity. And we pray that our hope and our faith would unite. And we thank you, Lord, that you make us strong during these times. Thank you that you keep us and protect us during these times. And thank you that you do not break covenant with us, but you allow your blessings to chase us down and to overtake us as we are following you. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to close with Aaron's blessing now. And would you please rise? If your protocols allow you to stand with other people, feel free. But first, let me speak to everyone.
who's joining us by uh, live stream or podcast, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And also, please consider an end-of-year special donation if that's part of your family's financial plans. And now Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai panave lecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panave lecha v'yasem lecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen.